Today's episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast is proud to be partnered with Anchor Podcasts. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a latent idea that's just kind of lying around for a show you would like to record one day, I'm confident that anyone could use this platform to host, record, and distribute your podcast, turning your idea into a reality. Anchor puts everything you need to be successful all in one place. You can start a new recording right from your mobile device. They also have convenient creation tools that allow you to edit your audio files so they sound crisp and great. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, letting listeners find your show almost everywhere, including Spotify, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. And best of all, it's free. There are no hosting fees or monthly subscriptions or minimum listener counts, just an easy-to-use platform to get your podcast out there at no cost to you. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, the show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm your host, Brad Gray, and today I'm just absolutely thrilled to have returning to the show none other than Dave Zoll. Uh, Dave, of course, is the founder and director of perhaps my favorite online publication, uh, that being Mockingbird Ministries. I love that website, and I love all the content that they're pushing out. And I'm uh, humbled and happy and privileged to be a uh, small contributor to that uh, to that ministry. Uh, but Dave is also the author of the newly published book, uh, Seculosity, How Career, Parenting, Technology, Food, Politics, and Romance Became Our New Religion and What to Do About It. And in this book, he provides uh, careful, uh, witty insight on the various forms of religion that we busy ourselves with in this 21st century, and at times, we don't even know it. And in fact, uh, in the book, Dave writes, Our religious crisis today is not that religion is, that is on the wane, but that we are more religious than ever, and about too many things. He says, we are almost never not in church. And I think Dave's assertion there is is more than accurate, and he proves it more than adequately uh, throughout the rest of his book. Uh, the assertion is that uh, opposed to the notion that the current generation is leaving religion, leaving the church, which perhaps they are in some senses, millennials are getting their religious kicks somewhere other than the church. They are not necessarily non-religious, uh, all religious, so to speak. They are actually probably more religious than ever, just not about uh, the things that are happening in the church. The religious nuns, you might say, are actually very religious, uh, very spiritual, and more often than not, practicing a religious liturgy that is heavy on law and short on grace. And in fact, I think that's what Dave is striving to point out throughout the book, throughout Seculosity. The fact is that these other endeavors, these other religious sort of uh, quests, so to speak, while worthy in their own right, in their own way, I think will always come up short when compared to the gospel because only the gospel can announce your struggle for self-justification, for self-salvation uh, is over. It's over for, before it even began. Uh, Dave writes elsewhere in his book, our attempts to engineer our own salvation backfire and do so dramatically. The only life raft capable of reaching a world drowning in seculosity will not be inflated with anything we do or don't do, but what God himself has done and is doing, which is to say, only the gospel has grace. 
this was just a fantastic conversation. I love catching up with Dave. Uh, he's such a he's such a, a, a smart uh, a smart guy, and he's very uh, genuine and sincere with what he aims to do through the ministry of Mockingbird and through his own uh, writing and, uh, and teaching and talking ministry. And so I pray that you'll listen. Uh, I pray that you'll find a great benefit from this. We talked about his book for a little bit. Him uh, going on tour to promote the book, and then we also end up talking about. Uh, the uh, great uh, uh, theologian uh, Robert Capon at the end. So uh, that's enough preamble. Let's get to it. Thanks for listening, guys. Well, it's so good to have you back on here, Dave. I am such a, well, to use this uh, colloquial word, I'm such a fan of yours, and I'm, I've appreciated your friendship throughout the years, and so I'm just happy to have you on. How are you doing? Um, just glad to be here. I love, love uh, you and love what your work, Brad, and just... Uh, Hope, hoping I can be helpful. Or not, yes, or not bore, you are not always bore helpful. You to death. Excuse me. <laughs> no, you never do that, Dave. And uh, I've appreciated. Um, I've appreciated even. Uh, well, let's just talk about it right off the bat. Your your book, Seculosity. You're just coming off of a tour of that. Tell me about your experience going on tour, so to speak, for this book. That's funny. I've always wanted people to ask me, how is the tour? How's it been on tour? Yeah, right. Because uh, I'm such a <laughs> rock and roll guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was it was uh, it was both it was not glamorous in any kind of stretch. You know, you're 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 staying. In, but um, there's a lot of plane travel and a lot of airport stuff. But uh, and it's tough on the family at home. But it's really gratifying, uh, to be honest with you. I love it. It was, if it did, if it wasn't such a cost to my to my kids and my wife, I would probably have done much more of it. But um, I love getting out there and talking to people and connecting, talking about the book and just talking about Mockingbird and talking about the gospel and getting to know new friends and getting to stay in the houses of people that I've kind of come to really only know through other means, through the internet or through um, conferences and stuff like that. So it's been a tremendous privilege. You know, I, I recognize that um, we don't, we're not always greeted with open doors and open arms in life. And, and that's, but that's been my experience this trip or this set of trips. And it's also, you know, I've, I've done mainline things. I've done much more sort of free church and evangelical things. I've done non-churchy stuff, bookstores, and I've done uh, lots of different venues. And that's, that's exciting to me too, because I really wrote the book to try to speak across certain divides. And uh, I think that to at least in a limited extent, that's, that's happened. Mm, th that's cool. Well, and, and I think I've kind of buried the lead in the sense that if anyone's listening doesn't know, Dave is touring or has toured for his book, Seculosity, which is subtitled How Career Parenting, Technology, Food, Politics, and Romance Became Our New Religion and What to Do About It. Um, I've just recently finished it as well. It took me probably about a week because <laughs> I just couldn't oh. put it down. Um, it was just a fascinating read because, because I think it's it's just very um, apropos, I think, for where we are as a culture. And so I think that's why it reads so well and why perhaps uh, I think it's just really, really relevant to where we are. Um, but uh, so kudos to you for putting the work into it. I know it's been a labor of love um, because it stems out of a lot of what you've kind of based, I think, your the, the Mockingbird ministry around. I think it's kind of um, symbolic of that. Um, uh, but so... You just come off tour. What's wh tell me one of your favorite tour stories or experiences? 
<laughs> well, okay. I'll just I'm just gonna go to the most one of the most recent ones. Um, well, I'll give you two. All right. So my last leg, which was just a funny leg, and that I I had done you know Mid Atlantic, and I'd done the South, and I'd done a couple of dates in the North uh, Northeast, and then. Um, I kind of threw it out to the internet to see who, you know, I couldn't go everywhere, but I ended up coupling Florida with the West coast. And I stayed with these, uh, f new friends, uh, in, um, named, uh, down in Florida, the cherries, if they're listening, I just, they they run a ministry called coaches honor, which is sort of dealt with the professional athletes and coaches, but it's really just kind of a para ministry, parachurch ministry. That's based around the gospel. And these people have been preaching sort of relentless grace for years, and they're older than I am, but they were. It was so fun meeting them and their big constituency, and like a couple professional baseball players were there, and that kind of stuff is 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 fun. But they packed out this little church in Jacksonville, and I got to talk about the book for I don't know thirty forty minutes, and just really really enjoyed. Uh, that and uh, walked away with a bunch of cool t-shirts and stuff. I just, I just didn't know what to expect. I'd sort of said yes. And, and all these people kept coming up to me with the Mockingbird devotional underlined sort of almost, uh, and, and battered. And I just thought, you know, I didn't know that that had been such a source of life for this community in, you know, in Jacksonville. And then I went out to the West coast and, uh, I did a couple of events out there, one in Orange County and one in LA, and got to meet some people that I'd, I'd you know, been Mockingbird supporters for years. And I never really got to meet them. And then by that, by sort of hook and by crook, I was invited to a screening of Toy Story 4 that night. And uh, my friend who I was there with got to meet met Tony Hale, who is the great actor and Emmy Award winning guy in Veep and Arrested Development. And he has the book and he's, um, I got to hang out with him. So that was like, just delightful you know you just to see you know you put out a book unlike some, putting out something onto the web like it's a slower burn but um people do come back to you and respond and it's it's exciting it's cool that too because you get to see you never really know how people are going to take a thing that you put out there but they also don't know how it's going to impact their lives for you know a significant in a significant way and uh, as a pastor, you feel that, and as a writer, I, I'm sure you've you've you experienced that too. Just in the sense that you put it out there, and you hope it's uh, you hope it's beneficial to someone, and then someone comes back to you years later, or now perhaps for other stuff weeks later, and they say that this changed my life or whatever. That's always encouraging, and it's just a little humbling, and it's a little sobering uh, for me whenever I've had someone tell me that it's. Uh, Wow, I can't believe God would use me that way. Yeah, totally. It's humbling. That's the word for it. Um, and, ex and exciting. It's a little scary, though, because you realize that anyone could be, you know, we live in the age of the Internet where, um, you know, it, something could go uh, to reach all sorts of people is exciting and also scary because then you have a bit of a responsibility, I think, it, not to not to sound too dire, but um, you better not uh, you, you better be careful with especially when you're talking about God and you're talking about Jesus and the forgiveness of sins, you better not um, uh, bind people or you've got to, I think there's some sort of something, Jesus says something I think in there about millstones. So um, <laughs> yeah. you recognize that. And I think it's easy to play behind a screen and think that no one's listening. And then uh, to see the fruit being born and people reacting again, 
it's it's very cool it's the reason why you and i are talking right now but it's also a uh like any kind of privilege it's it's a responsibility is to too yes yes definitely well it, so you've come off tour you well you published the book earlier this year and you came off this tour now and and uh, i remember you talking about it on some interview or a podcast maybe the mockingcast or something just in the sense that you have to fight your own heart to um, battle seculosity in your own heart after you've published this work to not uh, get too inundated with scorekeeping and whatnot. So what's sort of like been uh, maybe perhaps like a personal revelation is perhaps too strong of a word, but just since finishing the book and coming out of it, what's something that you've kind of uh, learned about yourself through this experience? Oh, that I'm, you know, you can talk about these things till you're blue in the face, but you still need to be, um, that's not a way of improving yourself, actually, because I'm, like, as I said, I'm the seculosity of seculosity. I'm not trying to be, to be cute. You just, you're checking your rankings and your sales and your, your self-regard is going up and down with them, even if the book, the whole book is deconstructing that. So, um, that's a irony and you know you you learn about it and you you also go you know places where people treat you with all sorts of respect and admiration mainly yes they like your words but it helps that they don't actually know you you know <laughs> so then you come home and you're with your wife and your ch children and um you're just a, 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 you're more fully known and in that sense you're you, you're not looked at with doe eyes um in the same way but with real love and that is uh <laughs> That's a great I, I can't imagine I think about people I mean now I've gotten this tiny little glimpse of it, but I think about people who uh, you know, um get a lot of adoration or something, or a preacher or uh movie stars, musicians and they have no one to ground them. You you understand why like sports athletes would like keep an entourage of people that knew them before they got famous around, but um when you lose that connection to people that can call you um on your, you know, nonsense and that can, uh, you know, have a less, they're less tolerant of your own justifications and rationalizations. I think that's great. Um, I just know that I need it and nothing in my life exists on its own. Um, and if it did, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> hmm. Well, for me, when finishing the book, um, the, the 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 sections that spoke to me and resonated with me most were the ones where you kind of examined uh, the seculosity of food and fitness. And I think it's because, uh, you know, I'm like anyone else who, when they watch sports, thinks that I can do the same things. And I'm the uh, prototypical, you know, couch athlete who thinks that if I had had one other right break my way, I could have I could have been that person. Mm. <laughs> and I think that that speaks. So it spoke to me a lot too, because, you know, coming off of like knee injuries and whatnot, I am definitely realizing my own frailty and, uh, and my waistline has definitely gotten thicker over the years. Um, so, so that's why I loved where you said in your book, you, you wrote uh, diet has become the justifying story of our lives. And because it's, it, it, that really spoke to me because you see it. I don't, I don't know why this is, but you just see it all the time. Uh, these ideas of, fitness and weightlifting as a culture but also as you kind of pinpoint in the, in those sections they're almost like a church uh with 
the liturgy of the gym being the strongest, I think, of all the seculosities, I think, mm. in some some respects. That's, I mean, that every, the, you know, the book hits different people in different ways. And th- there's certainly um, the way that we talk about food and fitness is, um, as you say, I mean, it's it's very potent and it uh, – it it's it feels like an ostensibly lighter subject compared to you know talking about politics or talking about parent parenting or something like that. But for people who are really you know counting calories or um, really hate their the fact that the way that their body looks, I mean that's um that's a daily sometimes second to second reality that uh, drives their own their entire justification and their feelings about themselves. And I think it's it, we ignore it. Um, we don't want, you know, it, I, I, there's a lot of jokes, I think in that or dad jokes, someone called them dad jokes, which I, I feel like such a put, put down these days as though anyway, but, um, uh, so I make somewhat light of it, just like you've got to make light of all of it. But yeah, I mean, I'm part of a, I've just started being a part of a workout group cause I'm 40 and falling apart. And a lot of people would hear that and be like, Oh, you're so young. And some people would say that's inconceivably old, but, um, I've joined a workout group and it's full of guys and, and there's, there is a spiritual component to it. That's like, you know, an actual Christian spiritual component to it. But for the most part, it's like we're getting fed here in a way that we don't necessarily get fed at church. And we do, we do this stuff together and there is a liturgy to it and there is a repetition to it and there's a fellowship to it. And um, there's even, um, you know, it's, it's serving some of these men that I'm with in ways that the church certainly doesn't. Yeah. Well, I think to that end, there's a lot of, it's not to disparage any sort of workout group like that or anything, but I also think that it's one of the most, I think besides, as you call it, the the seculosity of Jesus land, besides that one, I think the seculosity of, or the religion of wellness, you might say, um, is perhaps one of the most uh, deceptive in the sense that it can really be that you're like fundamental barometer of what you, of how you think you're doing. And it can appear really good because you're taking care of yourself when in reality you're just kind of seeking to justify yourself through a, a, a very deceptive or maybe even sometimes dangerous way of justifying yourself. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, there's there's all of these are fairly deceptive, you know, to be honest with you. Most times the, the one that the one that people don't like the least or they think I'm the most off on is usually the one that defines them. Uh, the most and that's that I don't mean to sound self-righteous there because they all define me but um, uh, there is something very sneaky about the way that seculosity and by that you know people who haven't read the book seculosity is a um, you know a combination of the word secular and religiosity and it's a way of talking about how um, earthly targets are freighted with a kind of heavenly significance um, or we treat we treat we, we treat we make parenting into a religion or we make uh food into a religion and uh seculosity refers to like sort of everyday type stuff that where there's no kind of supernatural or god involved but it's all about justification not really worship as much hmm. well and i think i think why it, at least for me speaking from my testimony it's it's really resonated with me the book overall just because i think you mentioned somewhere at the end, perhaps in like the epilogue or whatever, or the conclusion, where you say that kind of once you kind of see this, or you're, you're, it's not to use this, you know, big 
uh, metaphor, but it's sort of like the matrix. <laughs> Once you kind of see behind the veil, so to speak, it's hard to unsee it in terms of uh, seeing people postulate their own sort of sense of self-worth with whichever seculosity they're ascribing to. It's hard to unsee that. And even in my own life, it's hard to unsee it when I'm, you know, checking my Instagram for how many likes my post got or whatever, and making sure that I uh, get a little bit more followers than I have, or than the people that I am following and those silly measures of worth. Uh, but once you see it, it's kind of hard to unsee it. And I think that's why I've I've uh, resonated with it so much. Well, good. If, if that that's that's a, I think that's useful to people. I mean, these are still just words, and I'm I'm talking about hopefully dynamics that are that are that are real, but that nothing's going to be the full reality of our lives. But I, uh, I I I hope I've given people some sort of lens that is that can you know I don't know give them some insight into why they do the things they do and why other people might and. Um, uh, I had someone the other day on social media tell me, he's like, I just want to say thanks a lot for making me think of seculosity every time I go anywhere today. And I, like he was, he was sort of joking about it, you know, where he's, where he's at the grocery store, or, you know, going to the bathroom or something like that. He's like, it's, I see this everywhere now. And, and maybe uh, I guess that for him, at least the book um, resonated or he's, he really listened to what I had to say because it is, it is everywhere. It, again, it's, it, I don't want to, the, the difficulty, though, is suggesting that this is all that's going on in life, and it's not, but it's a big part of it, and it's a more a part of it than I think a lot of our we're uh, willing to admit. Yes, definitely. Well, in one of your footnotes in the book, uh, then we'll segue to something else. But uh, one of your one of your footnotes, you <laughs> you mentioned some other buckets or vats of seculosity that you might, you were thinking about writing about such as sports or celebrity or happiness or scientism even. So which one of those were ones that you were most serious about delving into? Um, you know, I, I, as I, cause I get this question uh, a lot in a good way. I mean, it's, it's an interesting question because it means that people are seeing more broadly than what the book is. They're, they're getting what the book's actually talking about. Um, celebrity is the one that I think I could make the most hay with and could have some fun with as well as, you know, um, uh, it would apply to me personally. So I mean, I was thinking about, you know, if I, if the book comes out in paperback, what if I added a chapter that might be fun. Um, wellness is, is one that sort of, it, it, it really does. It's really in the food chapter um, as well as the leisure chapter. There's sort of a combination there, but wellness could be one sports. I, you know, everyone always asks me why you didn't do sports. I just, I just don't, I just don't follow sports as much. Um, I do love sports. I live in a town where they just won the NCAA national championship in basketball. And that's got plenty of seculosity here. And I also really enjoyed uh, having that go on. But um, I'd say celebrity is one that I think is very current and only getting more current. Like I think celebrities are not only our aristocracy, they're also becoming our, our, uh, they're not necessarily priests. Those are more like um, comedians, I think, or maybe late night talk show hosts. But um, they are like our uh, our scapegoats, and uh, we use celebrities to um, make us feel better about ourselves, to make us feel like we're enough, either by by comparing ourselves favorably, unfavorably uh, to a celebrity, or using them to uh, to bat them down or to punish them in some way to make them responsible for our own shortcomings. I mean, it's all sorts of ways in which I think celebrity is 
interesting. We also live vicariously through them, so they can redeem us by kind of having a comeback. Um, you know, we we uh, it's very interesting how celebrity works. So that would probably be the one that I would do if I if I ever got the the, the chance. Well, it would play sort of similar to Luke, uh, Luke, I think eighteen, or I, I can't remember where the chapter is where you have the Pharisee and the publican, and it's almost like we are the Pharisee. I'm glad I'm not that person over there uh, and making all those mistakes. <laughs> we often, I think, treat celebrity in a, in a similar way. Like you said, we kind of treat them as if uh, I'm glad we didn't screw up like that. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. That's, um, uh, that's, uh, that's it. That's it. N- n- yeah. We, we, celebrities are like our, our mirror as well. Um, and um, yeah, we make, the, yeah, Exactly we make ourselves feel better or we are the tax collector in the scenario. And we say, I wish I was more like the, the publican. Yeah, I wish I was more like this person and uh, woe unto me, you know? Um, of course, these things are all so shifting and so quick to write about celebrity would be a little tougher than some of the other uh, areas because celebrity culture changes so much. I mean, um, I could have written about Britney Spears 10 years ago and, the, the Kardashians are if I wrote about the Kardashians like it would have been Kim five years ago and Kanye and that they would figure pretty heavily no matter what but today it's much more uh, you know Kylie Jenner and like the, the it's always changing and who knows where it'll be in five years yeah that's very true I didn't even think about that it would change too quickly and make almost make it obsolete by the time you publish it um not and not totally but some to some extent <laughs> but um that's great. I, I again, I am just so thankful for um, Seculosity as a book, and just as uh, it's really meant a lot to me. But I just kind of want to se- segue, I would say naturally, um, into talking about uh, the guy who is sort of the you. I think you've called him, or he's been called the patron saint of Mockingbird Ministries, but a guy who what I would also say is somewhat uh, the patron saint of seculosity as well, and that is Robert Capon. Now a short break and a quick word about this podcast's presenting sponsor. Ministry Minded is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible offers an optimal blend of accuracy and readability, which inspires lifelong discipleship and helps readers make a deeper connection with God's Word. To find out more about the Christian Standard Bible, go to csbible.com. I can't tell you enough how much I have appreciated the CSB for sponsoring uh, the Ministry Minded podcast, and I can't tell you how much I have enjoyed uh, reading the CSB and endeavoring to uh, enrich my Christian life and walk by reading the CSB translation. It's an accurate translation, it's, but it's also an easy-to-read translation, and you can feel comfortable and confident in reading it and confident in sharing it with, with other, perhaps other people who have never read the Word of God. And I think that's what uh, really makes the CSB uh, so uh, such an incredible tool uh, for evangelism, for preaching, for teaching. Um, that it's just it presents the gospel in such a way that um, that people who have never been in church before will be confronted with an amazing uh, the amazing news of the gospel. So uh, definitely go check out the CSB again. That's csbible.com to uh, get started studying in that translation. Now, back to my conversation with Dave Zoll. Um, I am in the middle of reading 
the latest Mockingbird publication, uh, The Youngest Day, A Shelter Island's Seasons in the Light of Grace, which are some the last, I think, of the uh, before this unpublished uh, Capon works. Um, but I say he's the patron saint of seculosity because Capon, throughout all of his works, uh, talks about this idea of bookkeeping and the lunacy of this ledger-keeping endeavor, as especially as a religious endeavor. And I just kind of wanted to get your, um, as you've you and CJ, and I'm sure several um, several others have worked on these on these books, um, just in, in the, the body of work of them. What has it kind of meant for you and for Mockingbird to be able to get these books to come back into the light of day again? Um, well, it's meant a lot. You know, I, I actually haven't done that much work on these books, to be honest with you. I wrote a foreword for one of them, and uh, and I've read them. And uh, it's all all credit goes to C.J. Green on this, who's who's been um, really persistent and full of loving kindness as it relates to Robert's um, widow, Valerie, who's really been instrumental in getting these out there, too. And these are only one was unpublished. The others were just out of print. And, um, you know, w w when we got the call originally, but from someone like a mutual, an old friend of uh, Robert's who was following Mockingbird and could saw how much use we made of him, uh, I just almost dropped the phone. I said, he's like, how, how would you like to sort of maybe republish some Robert Capon books, maybe even some, some unpublished stuff. And I just thought to myself, wait, what? Um, I thought that was extremely cool. Now, whenever you say someone's a patron saint, that means um, there's, um, y you know, uh, that he doesn't speak for Mockingbird. Let me, let me put it that way. Uh, I love him though. And I, what I, what I take from Robert as well as his genius as it relates to scorekeeping and uh, our struggle with being good and, uh, and, and, and uh, guilt as well as um, self-righteousness. He, uh, he's got a very playful approach to the faith and to the world. And um, without, you know, uh, filing his teeth down. He's got a lot to say and he's, um, very challenging in certain respects, but I, the way that he says what he says, he's, he was an actually, he was a theologian who could really write, um, which is, uh, I think a rarity, uh, and, but not just write clear, clearly, but write sort of with delight. And, um, I think people really respond to that. So, and it was all part and parcel of his theology. You know, he really believed in the spirit of play as being the spirit of freedom. Um, so it's meant the world. I, I, I'm sad that the project's come to an end though. At the same time, I'm sort of, we're always excited about the next thing. Uh, but yeah, Robert, I mean, I got to interview him through electronic means, uh, before he died. And that was pretty, a big honor too. So you know, it just goes to show that there's not much distance, actually, but especially in, in these little worlds of church and grace and law and Christianity. They're, they're sort of small worlds getting smaller in a lot of ways. And so I encourage people to reach out to those. Uh, you know, they say you never want to meet your heroes, and there's probably a lot of truth in that. But um, uh, with him, uh, I just have gotten to we just gotten to sort of let it rub off on us. It's been a real, real joy. So a privilege. A lot of people say things are a privilege. This genuinely was a privilege. Yeah, I imagine it was. And it, like you said, um, I was actually first introduced to, to Capon through Mockingbird's site itself. And I had never really come across his work beforehand. And then I was introduced to his 
uh, as you said, his kind of playful theology in the sense that he, he, like you said, he delighted in writing. And I think he, he delighted in using language in order to say what he wanted to say and say it his way. <laughs> and um, he, I, I think, well, let me ask you this question and then I'll kind of answer it before you can answer it to give you time to think about it. <laughs> but what's one thing that you kind of wish people knew more or perhaps knew better about Capon himself as a theologian? Like for me, if you read him quickly or you just have like a cursory reading of Capon, it might come across as if he's this universalist of a theologian. But when you slow down and you read him deliberately, you kind of get his like we were talking about his his playful sense of language and he's not really he's not really universalist but he when you understand his logic and his argumentation um he just liked to play fast and loose with those ideas of judgment and grace and happily so <laughs> yeah i mean i think that that's exactly what i wish people would understand about him he's not a systematic theologian in the way that sometimes people if, if anything i would i don't like the word narrative theology but he's um he's more of like a literary theologian or something like that and that uh he's trying to push you because he feels the freedom to do so he's not desperately trying to get it right and so he takes some risks and he gets things wrong and so there's some books of his that aren't that great, and most of them are pretty great. But there are some that are less great, and he clearly – he was so prolific that you got the sense there was a freedom about his writing. He always said he was a better writer than a speaker, and I think that having heard him speak quite a bit, I think that's true. Um, uh, I mean I've heard recordings. We're about to release a bunch of uh, recordings of his onto our website, but – he uh yeah if people think he's a universalist and you know that's the great qualm i mean i think that our hope everyone would be that you'd be sort of a hopeful universalist you don't i don't i, I would never want to be around i d think it's antithetical to the spirit of jesus the uh, someone who would delight in people being uh, condemned uh but i think that he says there's too much in scripture he says very clearly in the the great great introduction perhaps the single most essential piece of reading of robert capon is uh, the introduction the late period introduction he wrote towards the end of his life to romance of the word and um it's about 30 pages and he sort of addresses some of his critics and he tells his own autobiography and you know he just says straight up i'm not a universalist you know i i, I take the bible so ser seriously enough that there's too much talk of hell uh, Capon likes to push people, and um, that doesn't mean he, he he you have to kind of uh, if you're feeling pushed, then you're actually understanding him. And that's a uh, he he he's got a smile on his face while he's doing it. I think. Oh, I think so too. And it's a, and reading it's a rare gift. Yeah, and re and reading the youngest day and reading some of his chapters where he talks about hell and stuff. Right? He's you know he's talking about hell in the light of summer, and like you said, reading him, you're being pushed by him, and you can kind of get the sense that he's chuckling along while you're struggling to follow him. And um, that's the sense that I've gotten when I read him, and you, you kind of have to really, uh, you have to stick with him a lot. But I, I've so enjoyed um, getting to know him and, and through his books and through his works, and I think it was he, he's made a tremendous impact on on me, and I, I'm, I'm grateful for that, and I'm grateful to continue to read him. Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, I think he's a he's a he's someone that people need to read. Uh, but uh, as again, just as much for the tone as the content, and um, most religious people uh, are usually 
don't understand the importance of tone, I think. Um, and yet we react because tone is more emotional. We react to that just as much as the, it's like the way someone says something to you is almost, you react to it almost as much as what they're saying. And uh, he's a great uh, lesson, uh, object lesson in that. And, and what I would consider to be a sort of um, slightly mischievous, uh, playful, uh, you know, tone. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, that's good. Well, I, I won't keep you too long, Dave. I wanted to keep this on the lighter side because I know you've been inundated with a lot of uh, talk about books and whatnot. But uh, so as we, we're looking forward to the rest of this year, 2019, what's kind of besides sleeping, uh, what's on your on your schedule and docket for the rest of this year? Well, I've got a lot of uh, more promotion for seculosity, uh, meaning like I've the book's done um, well enough that I've gotten some invitations, which will be really fun to uh, to go and fulfill and, to, and to, to meet people and travel a little bit more. Mockingbird's working on a new devotional, a new 365-day devotional, so I'm working on that. Uh, we're foregoing our fall conference in order to actually f- work on that. And... Um, you know, it's just the normal bevy of like interesting things. I'm, we're hoping to uh, redesign our website. In fact, we're we're sort of actively engaged in that right now, and that's that's tough. That's really tough. I, I find it to be uh, confusing. It's like it's like going to an auto repair shop a little bit. Like the, the, the designer can kind of tell you anything, and you'll be, you'll believe them because you don't really know. Even though I've been doing this web stuff for you know twelve years, I just am a little in the dark about it. So. Uh, yeah, that's that's a big. I mean, that's a huge part of our presence, and the Mockingcast. Um, I've been very, very encouraged by how much traction that has gotten recently. It would appear that people really—they're um, maximizing their time, Brad, by listening to more podcasts because that way they can continue to be productive in other ways. They can make it, maybe they could drive somewhere or they can fold laundry. So we, we uh, you can you can talk to them about grace while they're getting things done and justifying themselves. So I think that that's. Uh, it's certainly the case for me listening to books on tape and things, but um, yeah, those are just a few things going on. I've got an idea for another book, um, but I'm not going to talk about it yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, you're, that's that's totally fine. I I will echo that and say that I've really enjoyed the mocking cast, getting to know you and uh, and Sarah and RJ through that medium has been a blessing, and just um, and your y'all's conversation always is always encouraging and. Uh, echoing cape and it's it's playful at times and it's not super self-serious which is enjoyable uh which you don't always get in religious podcasting world it's it's you don't always get um anti-self-seriousness if i can say that <laughs> well thank you we're we're just as, as screwed up as anyone but we do have fun I, like it's not it's not it's not a put on and when it becomes to be a put on then maybe we'll stop <laughs> but um there you go thus far we're having a blast well, Dave, um, I really appreciate you. I appreciate your book. Uh, if anyone's listening who hasn't purchased Seculosity, I can't recommend it enough. It's uh, an incredible work, and I think um, it's a labor of love definitely for Dave and uh, his work uh, throughout the last several years of life and ministry is, is definitely, I think, poured into this, and you can see that. And so I, I appreciate you, appreciate your book, and I hope uh, anyone who is listening who ha- that hasn't read it yet will go out and, and buy it uh, right now. So Thanks, Brad. The, the- The feeling is mutual. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for ministry-minded. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. 
that's it for today's episode of Ministry Minded. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks again to Dave for uh, taking the time to uh, come on to the show today. Make sure you read the, the notes for this blog and for this show and check out all the great resources that will be linked there. Uh, thanks so much for listening again. If you like what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to this show on iTunes or on Spotify. And thanks again to the Christian Standard Bible for sponsoring the show. And thank you as always for listening, commenting, and subscribing. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Blessings. Thank you.